Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. The creator of the universe gave it to us so we could have direct access to him. God hears you, whether it is in your daily things or the hardest moments, through the supernatural power of his Holy Spirit, he empowers you as you draw near to him. God is faithful in every circumstance and he promises to deliver you from your situation. The answer to your prayers is God. His ways are higher. His thoughts for you are greater than you could ever think or imagine. He desires to build a deep relationship with you. And that happens through prayer. Well, good morning, everyone. So great being here with all of you today. On behalf of our entire Richmond Rosenberg worship team, my name is Tim Homa, and I get the awesome privilege of being the campus pastor out at our Richmond Rosenberg campus. Great to be here with all of you here at Sugarland today, and with all of you watching online. It may not even be morning to you. You might be watching this tonight, this evening, tomorrow, but thank you for being with us. We're so glad that you are here. Um, it's the last of the three sermons that I get to give. Um, we are on this tour right now today. Pastor Mark is over at our Missouri City campus. Pastor Xavier is at my campus, my home base at Richmond Rosenberg. Um, I have the joy of finishing with one sermon next week. Uh, so next week, when I wake up around 9.30, they will be starting their second message, and I'll be well-rested, multiple cups of coffee, and I'll be able to preach one sermon. Pastor Mark made a uh, you know, reference to that last week, to the fact that he was blessed to be able to wake up at 9.30, wander outside, see what neighbors do at 9.30 in the morning on a Sunday, and how he just decided to go to church to see what was going on and then preach a sermon. And then he proceeded to tell me that I will no longer be able to do that. He was going to do that from now on. So uh, maybe you get me for the rest of eternity. No, you won't. Pastor Mark will be back next week. And we'll all be back at our home campuses. We are in the middle of a prayer series, and Pastor Xavier launched us last week talking about the keys to connecting with God. God wants to be in fellowship with us. He wants us to be in conversation. He wants to talk to us all the time. God always wants to be in conversation with us. But I don't know about you, but sometimes prayer is difficult. Sometimes it can feel overwhelming, discouraging, Maybe you've tried prayer partners to be uh, better at praying. Maybe you've tried writing out your prayers, journaling them. Maybe you've promised God that this year you're going to be a better prayer going into the summer, that you're going to work on prayer. But for some reason, as you pray and as you communicate to God, you don't seem to re be receiving the answers that you're looking for. You ever been there? Are you there now? Maybe in your prayer time, you're praying, but it seems like it's hitting a ceiling, like your prayers aren't busting through the roof and getting to God, that there's an obstacle in the way. Five years ago, I had the awesome chance to adopt a five-month-old puppy. He was actually born during August during Hurricane Harvey, and five months later, we rescued him and we adopted him, and we named him Max. 
He's a lab mix, and uh, I love Max. He's my best bud. If I could have, I would have brought him here and had him sit up on stage with me. He he probably would have fallen asleep because that's what he does when I rehearse my sermons. He falls asleep next to me. He goes wherever I go. He's always sad when I leave. But he's a very athletic dog. And five years ago, my friends who are hunters told me I needed to make him a hunting dog, that I needed to get him out in the woods and have him retrieving and doing all that stuff. And I just... I didn't feel it for Max. I just didn't want to put him at risk with that. But I knew I needed to do something. So I enrolled him in agility. I don't know if any of you know what agility is, but agility, if you've ever flipped through the television and come across a dog show, that's where they're jumping through hoops or they're running through tunnels or going through weave poles. And I started training him five years ago. And this is a recent picture of him on the side screen. There's Max. There I am. And we're out on the course. And there's the obstacles that Max has to get through. Now, five years ago, when Max first started, obstacles were very difficult. They actually got in the way of him becoming successful. His goal is to get through a number of obstacles, sometimes upwards of 20 obstacles in order for him to compete. And we started training, and there were times that it became a struggle for him to get through those obstacles. And five years later, we worked really hard. Now look where Max is at five years later. Yes! Look at my man. Look at him posing with him all bad self. Look at that. He's like, yeah, I did that. I did that. Max became successful in overcoming obstacles because he kept training. It wasn't a one-time fix-all. Max didn't suddenly get to an obstacle and go, all right, I get it. I'll do this from now on. It was a daily work with him. Five years of training we have put in for him to accomplish um, overcoming obstacles on the course. I think prayer can sometimes be a lot like Max trying to overcome obstacles. Sometimes for us, obstacles can get in the way of receiving from God what we're asking from him. We pray and we pray, but for some reason we're not getting there because the obstacles have gotten in the way. We're praying, but we're not getting anything back. And there's something in the way that's preventing us from hearing from God, from knowing what God wants for us and to to receive the request that we give to him on a daily basis. This morning, I want to walk through some obstacles, some things that I think will, might hit home a little bit. You might even say I might pry a little bit into your life. I hope I do, because this sermon has pried into my life. It's made me, made me aware of some things and some obstacles that might be preventing my prayers from being heard by God. There was an old man, um, he was dying, and he was spending his last days at home in a bed. And his daughter called a local church and asked for the pastor to come by and visit with him. So the local associate pastor arrived at the house, came in, and saw an empty chair next to the bed. And he said to the man, oh, I see you were expecting me. And the man said, no, I don't even know who you are. He said, well, I'm the local pastor from the church uh, down the road, and I just saw this empty chair, and I just assumed it was for me. And the man said, oh, the chair, yeah. Why can you just close the door and come on in? So the man entered, the pastor entered and sat down in the chair. He said, you know, for years and years, I've struggled with praying. I just never believed my prayers were being heard. I hear pastors talk about prayer, but they just went over the top of my head. But then one day, my best friend came to visit me, and he said, you know, Joe, prayer is just simply having a conversation with God. So why don't you sit in a chair, put an empty chair in front of you, and pretend that God, or imagine God sitting in that chair, because you know God is with us all the time. 
So just imagine Jesus sitting in front of you. And the man told the pastor, I enjoyed it so much that I do it a couple hours a day. But you can't tell my daughter. Because if she found out, she'd probably send me to the loony bin. She'd think I'm nuts for chair, talking to an empty chair. Well, the pastor was so encouraged by that story. And he ends up praying with the man. And then he leaves. A couple days later, the daughter calls the pastor and says, my dad passed away this afternoon. The pastor asked, was he at peace? He goes, yeah, he really was at peace. In the morning, I went in, and there he was, and I gave him a kiss on his forehead. He told me a couple corny jokes like he always does. He said goodbye, and then I came home later that afternoon after shopping, and I, I found him, and he had died. But something was strange, he, she told the pastor. Not just strange, but really weird. That It looked like before he died, he leaned over, and he put his head on the empty chair. You see, he had an obstacle that he didn't believe his prayers mattered, that they were not getting to God, that he didn't understand prayer. But once he did, he imagined himself laying his head on Jesus' lap before he took his last breath. I think for many of us, we understand that sometimes things can get in the way of our prayer life. It can be doubt, like the man, he doubted. But there are other things that I want to walk through this morning that get in the way. And I want to talk about how do we clear the barriers? How do we clear these obstacles out of our way so that we can begin to hear from God? Because maybe some of you this morning, you have been praying, praying and praying and praying, and you're not hearing from God. And you're like, what is going on? Where are you, God? And maybe there's an obstacle that has gotten in your way. So the first thing we need to, worry about, to be concerned, uh, concerned about and one of these obstacles, in order to clear the way to answered prayer, we must deal with the unconfessed sin in our life. It's a big obstacle, isn't it? It's a huge one. Uh, uh, unconfessed sin can get in our way from receiving from God what we're asking of him. Look what Isaiah chapter 59 says in verse 1. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save nor his ear too dull to hear. I mean, in other words, God is saying, I want to hear. I can provide anything you ask. I'm here and available. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. God wants to hear your prayers. God wants to answer your prayers. But he isn't because there is sin in your life that has gone unconfessed. There is sin in your life that is stopping the flow of communication between you and God. That sin in your life is the ceiling, the roof that is preventing your prayers from getting to God and being answered. And what we need to do is we need to come to God with a clean heart. That does not mean we come to God perfect. We only know of one person that has ever lived on this earth that has lived a perfect life, and we're not him. But we do need to do some business in our own lives and in our own heart when it comes to sin that we may be engaged in. Known sin, unconfessed sin, can prevent our answers from God, can keep the answers coming from God. Have you ever had time in your life again that you've prayed for something so deeply you thought for certain you're gonna get an answer or maybe even thought the answer from God was no, but in all reality, the answers aren't coming because there is sin in your life that you haven't dealt with. You haven't gone to God to deal with this sin in your life. You're actively participating in that sin. And it's having an effect on your prayer life. Because sin short circuits the work of God in our lives. 
You're growing in your relationship with God and then sin interrupts that growth. It short circuits the work of God in our lives. Today, some of you in here may be struggling with being a truth teller. You tell lie after lie after lie and it becomes a cycle. Some of you in here are struggling with unconfessed sin when it comes to a broken relationship where you won't forgive someone that has hurt you. You're holding resentment towards someone and you're unwilling to forgive them. Look what, what Jesus said in Matthew chapter five when he talks about resentment and unforgiveness towards someone. Therefore, if you are offering your, guilt, uh, your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in the front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them then come and offer your gift. We're supposed to deal with that. We can't hold that unforgiveness. Today, there may be men and women in this room who are participating in a destructive, inappropriate thought or action on a daily basis. You justify it, you rationalize it, you dismiss it like it's no big deal. You compartmentalize it like you separate it like here's my life here in this sin, but here's my relationship with God. This one doesn't affect this one, but in all reality, this one definitely affects this one. Because when we participate in a behavior that is sinful in contrast to what God wants, our growth and our spiritual walk with God is affected. Many of you in here are parents and you know the detriment to rewarding a child and giving them gifts, even when they're participating in disobedient behavior. If you continue to reward them, even though they're disobedient, they will disrespect you. They will develop a pattern of life that continues to say, I don't need to follow your leadership. I don't need to follow you, mom and dad. I'll do whatever I want because you continue to reward me. You continue to bless me even though I'm disobedient. So I'm just gonna keep living this way. Why would God ever condone our sinful behavior? and answer our request when we continue to be disobedient. There are, t there are people in this room this morning who are gossipers. You talk about people behind their back at a daily basis. There are people in here who are participating in a destructive behavior. You're covering it up and you're keeping it a secret from people. Sin eats us up inside and the repercussions go even deeper. They can affect the answers coming from God when it comes to our prayer life. Look what David said in Psalm chapter 66, verse 18. If I had cherished, if I had loved, if I had liked, if I had enjoyed sin in my heart, the Lord would have not listened. Well, maybe what we need to do right now is just stop and do a spiritual inventory of where we're at in our life because that's what David did. David wrote about it. David wrote about it in Psalm 139. It's a great verse. Look what he says. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David is saying, I want to be in relationship with you, God. I want to be close to you, God. If there's anything that's preventing that, if there's sin in my life, let me see it. Let me recognize it. Let me understand it. Let me confess it. And when we humbly come before God and we say, God, there is sin in my life, here's what we need to do. We don't dismiss it. We don't excuse it. We don't blame someone else for it. We recognize the sin. We accept it as sin. We admit that it's sin. 
We go to God and we confess it to him. We ask him to deliver us from that sin. Even for some of us who have accountability partners, brothers and sisters in our life who help us in our growth, in our growing with God, we go to them and we say, I have to confess this sin to you. For some of us, it's a regular occurring pattern because in order for us to break that cycle of sin, we have to keep doing that. We have to go through them, that whole understanding of recognizing what's inside of us so we can deal with it. Because once we deal with it, you know what happens? Look what it says in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Focus in on the words forgive and cleanse. When we forgive and we're cleansed and we're clean, sin is removed from the equation. It's gone. And now the benefits of sin being removed from our life is that we can now hear from God again. And it's simply just confessing before God, humbly saying, I have sinned. I have gone in opposite direction of where you want for me to go, God. I'm living in contrast to the life that you want me to live, and I want to come back to you. So would you forgive me? You know what? God forgives. We confess, he forgives. God didn't say, I will forgive you next Tuesday when I feel like it. He forgives that moment. And at that moment, we could begin to hear from God again. Have you ever been in that moment? Have you ever gone through a season where you just go, God, I have fallen short of where you want. I am so sorry. And maybe that next day, God answered a prayer. And you're like, there it was. There was the roof, the ceiling that was blocking my prayers. It was my own sin in my life. So in order to hear from God, Sometimes we have to deal with the sin in our lives. An unconfessed sin can be an obstacle. Secondly, to get what I pray for, what I desire, requires pure motives. Look what James said in chapter 4, verse 3 of the New Testament. James said, when you speak, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you spend what you get on your pleasures. Another obstacle is wrong motives. What are wrong motives? God, I'd love to win the lottery. God, I've got this annoying neighbor. Would you just remove them from our neighborhood? God, I need a promotion because I want to be the big dog here at the corporation. Would you just kind of make that happen for me? Wrong motives are motives that are driving us towards selfishness, and it has a self-centered approach Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't want to give us the desires of our heart. He does. He wants to give us the desires of our heart. But there's a way that motives can be pure motives when we seek the desires of our own heart. So what are right motives? Well, Jesus gives us the greatest example of that. Look in John chapter 14. Beginning in verse 13, Jesus says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. And then he follows it up in chapter 17, beginning in verse 4. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave to me. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Some of you are going, what does that have to do with pure motives? Watch. Jesus is asking here, does what I ask and do point people to my heavenly Father? And will his purpose, God's purpose, be accomplished through it? Is this for God's glory or is it for my purpose and my pleasure? 
See, Jesus was asking that everything he do and everything he asked for be pointed to God. God, I would love it if you would open up that promotion for me because I want to honor you and I want people to see you in my life in that leadership role. God, would you use me as a neighbor? I know that neighbor drives me crazy and he's annoying, but would you allow me peace? Would you allow me patience? Would you allow me to have kindness? That, Lord, that I would represent you and reflect you to my neighbor? There are things that we desire in our life, but God says in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and then everything else will be added unto you. You see the process? Pure motives that when we go to God and say, God, how can I honor you in this area? How can I honor you in my finances? How can I honor you in my relationships? How can I honor you in the things that I want and desire in my life? Your, even your hobbies can reflect God. Even the things that you desire, that you want in your life, that you're praying for in your relationships, God is first and will answer those requests when he's first and he's brought the glory and it's all for his purpose. Look at what Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 50. He said, I'm not seeking glory for myself. See, Jesus rose above impure motives. He wanted one goal to be accomplished, his heavenly Father to be glorified. So whatever Jesus asked for, he received because he asked with pure motives. So right now in your prayer life, what are your motives? Have you been asking for Jesus and for God to be honored and for the Spirit to work through you in those motives? Or are you asking for yourself, for what you need and what you want, for your own pleasures? Again, let me read James 4.3 as a reminder. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Proverbs 21 verse 2 says this, Every man's way is right in his own eyes but the Lord weighs the heart. I have two daughters that are in their 20s, young adults, and I desire and I pray this prayer, God, I want to be a grandfather. Come on, bring a man into their life. I'm like, I, I just, God, I don't care what kind of guy it is. Just, I want, grand, I want grandkids. Wrong motives, wrong motives. Here's my prayer now. God, would you bring a man that loves your son more than he loves my daughter? God, would you bring a man that would honor my daughter and love her unconditionally, but would pursue a relationship with you first and foremost? That's the prayer. That's a prayer of pure motives. Yeah, of course I want to be a grandfather one day, but I want my daughter to be loved by a man that loves Jesus. That's, that's praying in the right direction. I think that our motives are pure when we pray a prayer that honors God above all else. Because when we honor God above all else, he honors us for a lifetime. So to clear the way to hearing prayer, we need to pray with pure motives. Thirdly, to clear the way to answered prayers, we must be right in our relationships. This one is gonna take some time to unpackage. And first, we're going to look at the marriage relationship. There are some key passages that tell us that broken relationships shut down God's responses to us in prayer, through our prayers. Well, let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 as an example. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you 
of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. God's reminding us husbands of three things. Be considerate, be respectful, and treat your spouse, treat your wife as equal. Now, ladies, aren't you glad the Bible doesn't say anything to you about that? They're just talking to the men, right? You're like, yeah, preach it, yes. Right now, you look over at your husband and go, uh-huh. Consider it, respect, equal. Pastor said it, it's gotta be true. How many times, men, have we been wrong in this area where we haven't treated our spouses that way, where we've been insensitive? I know there have been many times in my life where I've been immature, insensitive, sinful, selfish. When we're treating our spouse wrongly, our prayers are affected. Now, honestly, God is not just talking to the husbands. He's talking to the ladies as well. Get that. He isn't saying, men, you need to treat your wives correctly. Ladies, you need to treat your husbands however you want. God is not that way. Matter of fact, there's a book written by a guy named R.A. Torrey. I put a quote in your study notes. He dealt with this verse, and he says this, In many a case, the prayers of husbands are hindered because of their failures. On the other hand, it is also doubtless true that the prayers of wives are hindered because of their failure of duty toward their husband. If husbands and wives would diligently seek to find the cause of their unanswered prayers, they would often find it in their relations with one another. Think about that for a moment. And this doesn't just affect husbands and wives. This is how we treat our coworkers, our family members, our neighbors, our friends. That there's gotta be, if there's a brokenness in that relationship, it's gonna hinder our prayers from being answered. Our relationships to God are important. God wants us in community. He gave us the greatest example of the best community, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He wants us to have real relationships, and when those relationships are severed and there's unforgiveness in there, our prayers will not be answered. There's another couple of passages that deal with relationships, and Jesus is here. This is Jesus talking in Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. He says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. That but statement says this if you don't forgive, God doesn't forgive. And then in Mark chapter 11, Jesus says, But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Jesus is saying here, there is a direct connection between us forgiving those that have hurt us and God forgiving us for our sins. That's a gut check right there, isn't it? If a person decides to say, I will never forgive that person ever, they are essentially saying, I never want to be in a relationship, I never want to be in fellowship with God ever again. That's what is being said here. That is prying into your life right now. Because all of us have experienced some broken relationship at one level or or another. We've all experienced that. And you may be right here in this room this morning and you are saying for years that someone hurt you, I will never, ever forgive them. What is to forgive? Simply, it's three words, let it go. Let the sin go of that person or let the hurt go or whatever they have done to you. Now, forgiveness 
and forgetting are two different things. So let me be clear. Okay? Forgiveness, Jesus, God forgives us instantly when we confess our sins. He calls us to forgive, but we may never be able to forget. Because you know what forgetting involves? Trust. And trust can be broken, trust can be restored, and trust can be broken again. And eventually you may say, I just can't trust you anymore. Does not mean you don't forgive them. Forgiving them is a different thing, but that's what God calls us to do. He calls us to forgive them, to let that hurt, that let whatever thing they did to you go. Does not mean you forget it. And maybe some of you in here say, you don't know what this means, Tim. I've been holding back forgiveness for years. God says, I know. All I'm asking is small steps of recognizing that you can forgive that person. And I'll be with you. I'll walk through that with you. But I have called you to forgive. I've forgiven you. And we move that way. I know those are difficult things to do. I think we would all agree that prayer is the necessity to the Christian life. It's our direct connection to God. It's the hot phone. It's the hotline to God. Any moment, anytime, anywhere, we can call on God and he is there. And for many of us in here, we've experienced those moments where obstacles have gotten in the way of receiving from God what we're asking of him. Many times we have prayed and we felt like the prayers have stopped. They've hit the roof. They've hit the ceiling and they're not going any further. And now maybe this morning we'll recognize that there are some things, there are some obstacles that are preventing us from getting to the point where we're hearing from God. Much like Max had to learn how to get through obstacles in order to be successful in running a course, we have to learn how to get through obstacles on a regular basis in order to hear from God. We've got to process those. We've got to hear those. We've got to recognize those and move toward restoration, reconciliation. Some of you in here have some broken relationships. And right now, those people are on your heart. And you're like, how do I even forgive them? You can do it. With God's help, you can do it. Some of you in here have been praying with the wrong motives, and today you're realizing, you know what, God? I want to give you the glory. I want everything to be accomplished for your sake, for your purpose. So my prayers are now going to be changed so that I'm praying with pure motives. So I know that you will give me the desires of my heart, but I want to pursue honoring and giving you glory. For some of you in this morning, you realize that there is some unconfessed sin and that maybe even this morning you've already dealt with it with God. Even in this time together, you just said, God, I am so sorry. Please forgive me for what I said, what I did, how I acted, what I'm going through. C.S. Lewis, author of many books, many of you have read Mere Christianity, The Screwtape Letters, um, the Narnia Chronicles, the kids' books. They did a movie about his life called Shadowlands. I'm not certain how many of you have seen it, but it was a great movie. And it really told the story about him and his wife, Joy. He met Joy Gresham when he was a don at the Oxford University. And they began to date and then eventually got married. And right after they got married, Joy came down with cancer. They discovered she had cancer. And the story really, the movie really tells the story of their journey through their love their pain, their grief, their struggles with faith and with God. And at one point, Joy dies. That's such a sad part in that movie. But then there's this next scene where one of C.S. Lewis's friends kind of comes up to him to say, hey, your prayers have been answered. He says this to him, I know how hard you've been praying. 
And now God is answering your prayers. And this is C.S. Lewis's response. That's not why I pray, Harry. I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God. My prayer changes me. And that's what prayer is. It's the confidence we find in prayer that comes from the depravity inside all of us. And when we overcome the obstacles in our life, God answers our prayers and helps us to grow spiritually. Our prayer life helps us to grow spiritually. Fifteen years ago this past March, my dad passed away at the age of 62. Now, it wasn't a shock that he died at the age of 62, uh, but it was a shock how suddenly it happened. You see, I was in Michigan at the time, and I was up as a pastor at a church up in Michigan. He lived in Chicago, and I got a call that my dad had only one week left to live. He had had cancer for a number of years. So I drove down, and I spent the last week with my dad. And See, my dad never lived a healthy life. As a matter of fact, I always said that he would never make it to the age of 70. His diet included red meat, chips, and donuts. That were his three food groups that he lived by. He had a heart attack at the age of 43, a triple bypass at the age of 53, cancer at 57, and then five years later, that cancer killed him. See, my dad never had a healthy lifestyle. He knew what he needed to do to be healthy, but he chose not to follow that. He knew he had weight problems, eating issues, his family had a history of health disease or heart disease. He knew the things he needed to do to be healthy and chose not to follow them. He lived an unhealthy life until he died. See, for many of us, we know what we need to do to have a healthy spiritual life in our prayer life, but we're not doing it. We're allowing the obstacles to overwhelm us or to take place of where we need to be in our walk with God. For many of us in here, we know what it means to walk with God, and we've walked with God, and we've had a spiritual growth with God. But right now, there are obstacles in our way, and they're preventing us from growing into a deeper relationship with him, which he desires for all of us. He desires a deep relationship with us without any obstacles preventing communication. Stop dealing with the obstacles. Stop allowing the obstacles to prevent your prayers from being heard. Deal with them one at a time in prayer, with community around you. And God will begin to move you into a deeper relationship with him. Would you pray with me? God, we come to you this morning. We have obstacles in our lives. Obstacles that are keeping us from hearing from you. Lord, we all want to hear from you. We all want to be in connection with you. God, you're a God of community. You want to have a relationship with us. We, we want to hear from you every single day. So we confess our sins. We admit our wrong motives. We acknowledge the broken relationships we're dealing with. God, would you move in those areas? Would you move in our lives? Would you move us away from the sin? Would you help us to see purely the motives in our lives that will bring you glory? And will you help us to forgive those that have hurt us? And God, I pray this morning, if anyone is here, that is hearing your word and wants a relationship with you has never asked or never experienced or never desired that, that today, Lord, you are calling them into a relationship with you, that they would surrender their heart to you and invite your son Jesus to come into their life, to have community, this relationship we can have with you that is real and authentic and every moment available to us. 
God, would you come into our lives today? Would you move with us? And we pray this in your son's name. Amen.